Um, and then also when you're, when you're thinking about leadership, I mean, obviously, yes, you do want to think about, you know, diversity, you know, be it like ethnic gender diversity. Um, I don't know if I would ever want to be a member at a church where all the leaders were men mm. or women, Come you know, like, yeah. I think, I think you need a mix and that's because we all bring different perspectives based on our social location. See, here's the thing. So for me, mm-hmm. with my so so my my social location, church wise, is yes. coming out of the reform movement and 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 you know like oh. reform theology, right? Mm-hmm. And so That's one of the, one of the things that I yeah, it's it's the whole thing of you know Paul saying, I do not permit a woman to teach in church, and 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 those verses that 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 people have mm-hmm. taken in certain schools of thought, yeah, to mean that that um you know, women in leadership in churches is somehow wrong or bad or, or unbiblical. And so mm-hmm. when I say that I am, that I am decolonizing my theology, I am doing business for myself. I'm mm-hmm. doing business with things like that. Greetings and what's good, everybody. Welcome to the Christian Soldier Podcast, a social justice, faith-minded podcast featuring three friends from across the diaspora, exploring life at the intersection of race, ethnicity, culture, gender, politics, and basically living while black. I'm Abdullah Muhammad. And I'm Justina Kinney. And we are just three POC in the cornfield, living life, loving Jesus, and fighting the good fight in these rough and tumble podcast streets. So happy new year, soldiers. What's good? What's good? What's good? Yeah, we missed y'all. Um, once again, I'm Abdullah, and you can find me on IG and Twitter at that dude Dilla, and on our Facebook uh, at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Christian Soldier, S O U L J A H. So, Justine, where can folks find you on the socials? Okay, first of all, hello, soldiers. It's a new year, y'all. We made it. Whoop, we whoop. survived 2020. Thank you, Lord. Happy 2021. I'm super excited for what this year holds, and I hope you are too. You can catch me on social by adding me on Facebook. My Facebook name is Tina Akinyi. There's probably a lot of people who have the same name that I do. It's a pretty common name in my country. So if you're having a hard time finding me, just scroll through Abdul's friends list and I will be there and you can add me that way. Some of you have sent me DMs and I love, I love having conversations through Messenger. So please, please, please add me on Facebook. Yes, yes, bet that. Um, so first off, soldiers, so I mean, well, second off, we've done the first off already, but I'm sure y'all noticed in the intro that it's just Justine and I on this episode. So our brother Andres is taking a bit of a leave for a bit to focus on some other pressing things. And so he's going to be back. Um, and, you know, brother, we miss you. Get back soon. You know, do your thing. Uh, but so for the next several episodes, it will be just Justine and I holding it down until our brother returns. And so I don't know, Justine, if you've listened to any of the episodes, like the episodes that we did while you were away, but um, hopefully we will try to keep our shenanigans to a minimum because <laughs> I'd race and I cloud a little bit too much. But, <laughs> okay. But, that episode was, <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. I listened to it like four times. <laughs> you guys, it was, if you have not listened to this episode, what's, what's the name again, Abdul? I forget. It's, um, it's the post-election one, right? Is that oh, right? Oh yeah. 
You yes. guys, that episode yes. was lit. If you have not watched it, you need to, to go it. back and watch it. It was hilarious and so loaded with lots of great information. Andres, I miss you. Oh, I miss you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We miss you, brother. We miss you, bro. So, and yeah, when I listened to it a couple of times too, I was laughing. It was kind of funny. Uh, so, but listen, y'all, we, we are, we are more than happy to have Justine back on the mic and Jay, it's been a minute. So what is going on? What have you been up to? What's good with you? What's good with it? Y'all. Okay. So last year was wild. I don't know why I'm laughing. Okay. Justine, be serious. (laughs) End of last year was a little wild. You can be serious. You'll be funny. That's true. That's true. It is a new year. New year, new me. Uh, so anyway, back in October, I, I was able to go home. And for those of you that don't know, uh, home is Kenya. Rather, Kenya is home for me. I was able to go home for a whole month, you guys. And it was amazing. I got to see my family. I have not seen my brother for 10 and a half years. Wow. Think about that. If you have a brother who you love dearly, I had not seen him for 10 and a half years and it was just amazing. It was so good. I got to see my family and I was just reminded of who I am, you know, my culture, my values, my customs, my tribe. Mm. I remember walking in the streets of Nairobi. Nairobi is the capital city of Kenya and seeing girls with afros and braided hair and seeing all shades of chocolate and caramel and you guys it was just amazing it was so refreshing it was so so good so that's what i've been up to then i i came back and i've kind of just worked for the rest uh, of the time yeah see i okay so you're describing nairobi and in my head i can see you walking like you're walking on the streets of wakanda or something like you know all this Yo, beautiful blackness listen, around you yes oh uh. yes <laughs> And the art, oh my goodness. So in Kenya, we have like lots of street markets and there's just lots of beautiful art. And oh my goodness, it was just amazing. You guys, if you have Africa on your bucket list of places that you want to travel to, I would 10 out of 10 recommend that you check out Kenya. It's a beautiful country, wonderful people, wonderful food. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm going to Nairobi because I already got a tour guide. Yes. <laughs> you coming with Let's us. go. Let's go. I'm oh down. man. Well, so you went through all that and then and then the energy was decidedly different. Well, and then it just came back and worked. It was, it was sad. <laughs> it was sad. <laughs> I actually uh, seriously considered just staying in Kenya because I because my visa was three months long. I was like, you know what? I could stay in Kenya till like February of 2021. But I, I have bills to pay it. in the USA, so I decided to come back. That's a song right there, bills to pay in the USA. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, So <laughs> let's get into it. So y'all listen, as we've been thinking, okay, so you, again, you know, new year, new me, right? So this is also the, um, not quite a new, a new year, uh, like a new me for the podcast, but we are, as we're thinking about renewing our focus and all those kind of things. Um, We've been thinking and, and praying and meditating about some things and just, you know, unlike lessons learned in 2020, the, the dumpster fire of a year that, that it was, mm. you know, um, there are several things we could talk about. But as we were texting with Justine and I, and even kind of with, with Andres, the three of us were kind of texting, um, you know, there, there have been uh, several different things that, that have been kind of on our mind as we've been kind of wanting to come back to, right? 
And so we, we wanted to start 2021 off right first off. And it seems like there is one thing that we kept coming back to. And even as we record this, um, we are fresh off of some events that, ha- that are happening in, in the U.S. Capitol with respect to uh, protesters that are storming Congress. Um, we recorded a bonus episode, a special episode about that situation as it was unfolding the night that it happened. And so please go listen to that. Uh, it's just kind of a, a quick riff and we just kind of shared our heart for a few minutes. But as we were thinking about a couple of things, the th- one of the themes that, ke- that we kept coming back to is the, the theme of self-care and wholeness. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, more than ever, soldiers, living a congruent life is so vitally important to who you are, to your physical health, to your mental health, uh, to your overall well-being, and ultimately to your sense of happiness and fulfillment, and most ultimately to finding the purpose for which God puts you on this earth. Mm-hmm. Living congruently and living with and, and having self-care and taking care of yourself yeah. really impacts all of that. And so in 2021, we really want to help people live as authentically in their God-given purpose as we possibly can help you do. And so, you know, it's like when I was a, a, new, a new baby Christian, you know, I read this book years ago by John Piper, classic book, Desiring God, okay? Desiring God, um, so he, and, and, and part of the theme of this is Christian hedonism. And so he talks about that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. That's good. And so part of being most satisfied in him is being really intimately, deeply connected with the reason that God puts you here and the, and the lane he has you to run because only you can run it because that's why he puts you here to do it. And so mm-hmm. we want to play whatever part we can in helping our listeners experience their full, authentic selves. So that was kind of the theme that they were thinking about for self-care and wholeness. So that being said, we wanted to start this year off right by, by talking about being in a healthy church space. You know, mm. for those of you who are Christians and who are listening to this and you're thinking about church and those kind of things, um, wholeness and fulfillment and self-care and being fully authentic, you know, you, you spend a good portion of your life in that space. So, Justine, what's the title of the next track? For this episode on the Christian Soldier Mixtape. Ah, the title track for this episode is Lift Every Voice and Sing. Come on now. A lot of you have probably had that song. I actually would challenge you to go and read all the lyrics. Just mm. read the lyrics so deep and so rich. And the one verse that I want to kind of uh, point out is the last verse that says, God of our weary years, God of our silent tears. Thou who has brought us thus far on the way, thou who has by thy might led us into the light, keep us forever in the path we pray. Lest our feet stray from the places, our God, where we met thee. God, it's just so powerful. Lest, lest our hearts drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee, shadowed beneath the hand. You guys, when it says, lest our feet stray from the places, oh God, where we met thee, that made me think, where did I meet God? You know, where did I meet God? And some of us might have met God at a church, you know, at a Bible study, 
I don't know, in the middle of the night in your living room, where, where did you meet God and kind of fighting to go back to those places, you know, and prioritizing, uh, finding a healthy community, a healthy church where you can thrive as a believer. Yep. So that's our episode for today. Lift every voice and sing church mm. hunting wild black church hunting wild black. Uh, so listen, for those of you who don't know, lift every voice written by James, James Weldon Johnson is the black national anthem it used to be called the Negro national anthem, mm-hmm. but it's the black national anthem. And so, um, yeah, that, that song has a lot of special meaning for lots of people. And you know, I've seen like some award shows where like where they're singing it mm-hmm. and everyone doesn't know the words. <laughs> right. Oh wow, yeah. So yeah. And I mean, I remember, you know, I had the uh, the 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 fortune of growing up, we used to sing what I have come to call the American hymns. Mm-hmm. Every morning in school, you would you would do you would you would you would stand up, put your hand on the on your heart and sing or uh, you recite the Pledge of Allegiance and you would sing My Country Tis of Thee. Okay? Mm, yeah. So have you heard that, heard that song before? Nope. It's, it's kind of one of those old hymns. It's, it's uh, My Country Tis of Thee, Sweet Land of Liberty of Thee I Sing, mm. Land of Land mm. Where My Fathers Died, land, with, land of the Pilgrim's Pride, From Every Mountainside Let Freedom Ring. But yeah, we, yeah. So I went to school, well, for part of my school, in, in elementary school, I, I went to public school. Part of it I was, homeschooled and went to a Muslim school. But when I was in public school, I was in a black public school. We did three songs. Mm. We did the Pledge of Allegiance. Mm-hmm. We did, actually we did four. We did the Pledge of Allegiance. We did My Country Tis of Thee. We did This Land is Your Land, which is all. So the, the first three are just straight odes to whiteness. Yeah. <laughs> right. Odes, O-D-E-S. These mm-hmm. are odes to whiteness. The mm-hmm. fourth one, because I went to a black school, was lift every voice and sing. Amazing. And amazing, yeah. Man. And so even those little kids, when mm-hmm. Lift Every Voice came on, we got loud. Gosh. We it, yeah. and so in my in my mind's eye, I can see all these little kindergarten, first and second and third graders, you know, with their hands on their on their hearts singing the Pledge of Allegiance. Then when it came time for their voice, we we, we went in. It was it was lit up Mm -hmm. in this piece. So so listen, what what we've had so many conversations. I mean, I have personally so many conversations with believing friends of color about their current church community situation Mm -hmm. that this whole idea of church hunting while black is a really important thing because with all of the of the toxicity and everything we've talked about before that's happened to so many of us in these churches and what I've come to call like the slow heartbreak of so many of our sisters and brothers of color. I mean, I've got texts as recently as an hour ago. I mean, I, I have these conversations all the time. I sat with a brother about four days ago. We talked for like five hours about some stuff happening with churches and them church, you know, church um, searching and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so now notice what we didn't say though. We didn't say church shopping while black, Ooh. right? We said church hunting and church searching yeah. because church isn't something you shop for, right? 
It's not a mall yes. or a store. Yes. It's something you search for. Yeah. So much like your search for a spouse or a partner, selecting mm. a church can be, and I'd even argue should be, an in-depth, emotionally engaged process. Yeah. Because you're looking for a community where you can show up as fully as you possibly can, as fully and mm-hmm. authentically as you can. Yeah. So you're looking for a place where, where quite frankly, where the love is real, you know, exactly. where the fellowship is beyond superficial. You know, Justine, you and I have had lots of conversations about mm-hmm. this, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because these are people, your church body, the body of believers, you know, and I know all, the, all of you who aren't, aren't, aren't Christian. We've said before, our social location is as Christians. Mm-hmm. And we, we want to take care of everybody, but yes. we start with our own house. Preach. Right? And so for those of you who are, who are connected with churches, these are people that you would love and you'll labor with. And so these shouldn't just be like casual acquaintances as you go along, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, you know, I totally agree with that, you guys. The church that you are plugged into will affect so many facets of your life. Boom. So you cannot afford to be casual about this. You cannot afford to be lax about this. It is literally a hunt. You know, is. and for those of us that are people of color living in America, it's a hunt and it has to be a very intentional process. Sometimes it can be very discouraging. You might have seasons of hopelessness, mm. but we are here to encourage you and give you some tips about this. So, right, right. I mean, like these are so if you're church hunting, like your community, these are folks that you're going to love and labor with. Listen, you know, you might, yep, you might end up marrying people in that church. I am. You, um, Okay, if you have kids, your kids are going to go to children's church. Hello. At those churches and that's a big deal. Hello. Right. So yeah, these these should not and these aren't just casual acquaintances that come and kind of right. come and go. Now, some of them are obviously, right? But but um most importantly, when you're when you're hunting and searching for a church, you are hunting and searching for a place, you know, you're submitting yourself to the authority and the discipleship of the leadership team, the pastoral team, you know, Ooh, the church elders. So good. this is a deep relationship that goes both ways. And so that should not be taken lightly, you yes. know? I mean, now, and again, Justin, we, we've had lots of conversations about this, right? I mean, uh, man, so, yeah. and, and, you know, you know, and listeners, you know, um, some of those of you who know me know. Um, so I am personally a strong proponent of having many conversations and getting to know my pastoral leadership team Mm -hmm. because it's much, it's a lot like premarital counseling, you know? So my wife and I are choosing to subject and submit ourselves to, and our lives to these people whom we've given permission to speak into our life. So I don't give that to just anyone Mm -hmm. and neither should you. Right. Exactly. So this is an intensely, intensely personal thing. So, so this is important. So, I mean, so yeah, before we get into like the, the, the things that we both kind of think you should kind of be on the lookout for in, in church searching, you know, what Jay, what else do you have to add to that? Oh my gosh. That's so good. You guys, that's so good. I think especially especially for those of you that have families. And now to be clear, I am a single person and I don't have kids. I'm not married. And I'm not saying this to 
to ostracize people that do not have families. But I think when you are married and you have kids, man, I just think there's so much at stake. These are people who are going to speak into your marriage, as Abdul said. They're going to speak into your finances. They're going to speak into your relationships with your children, with your spouse, with your family-in-law. Like, it is a big commitment. So you want to be, guys, you want to be very intentional. And actually, a lot of times the church that you end up at might be a space where you grow in ministry. It might be a space where you're able to, to use the gifts that the Lord has given you. And like Abdul said, you cannot afford to be casual with that, right? You cannot afford to be leading ministries and Bible studies and worship and pastoring in spaces that are not healthy for you and in spaces that the Lord does not want you to be in. Right. Yeah. And they, man, they, they gotta be safe. And the reason why I say talk to your pastoral team, and maybe we're kind of getting in some of the things we're going to share, but the reason why I say talk to your pastoral team and get to know them is because it's not just about the pastor. It's mm-hmm. about the team of people that are leading the church, the elder yeah. board, right? And yeah. because they're, there, there are some churches in my city that, and some that I've spoken that and, and, and said to their, their whole congregation right up front that I would not belong to this church because of X, Y, and Z reason, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and, you know, but there are also some pastors in, in, in the churches in my city who I know have a deep love for Jesus Yeah, and, and people and people like, mm-hmm. listen. And so I've said this a thousand times before, but I'm just going to say it again because I deeply mean it. Justine, you're a pastor. My brother, Taran C. Smith. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we can bleep his name out or not, but I'm going to leave. I say leave his name in there because that's, that's my dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, I mean, he, yes, he has a, he has a, a, a love for people and a love for, you know, for Jesus. And he, and he has yeah. probably the most genuine heart of a pastor. He has the most genuine heart for people of anyone I have known mm-hmm. in my 20 plus almost 27 years of ministry. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's just, awesome, he's, guys, yeah. he's my dog. You know, my, my kids, my kids love him. You know, when our kids are all home, they're either at my house or at his house, Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, and so, and so, yeah, so, so it's, like you said, like you, know, it, you bring your kids into this kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, there are people, you know, there, my kids don't trust a whole lot of folks, yeah. you know, my sons, especially my oldest son, he loves him some pastor, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so, I mean, yeah, when you're in these churches or, or looking for these churches, folks, talk to the leadership team yeah, because they need to be on, on some similar uh, places on some things. As I get into my list, I'm going to kind of give a, a bit of a disclaimer, all right? So my list is mostly practical. It's not doctrinal. It's not theological because I know lots of people come from different, you know, kind of faith or like different theological traditions and that, that kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, because there are several different strands of theological thought that are represented by our listeners. Um, I know even, even Justine and, and Andres and I have, you know, like just, just different theological pieces here and there. And so, um, that said, you know, I'm, I'm still in the process of interrogating my own theology to do the best that I can to decolonize my theology. So that's to say that I'm doing the best I can to separate racism, classism, sexism, 
homophobia, transphobia, ableism, and all other kinds of oppression toward people who are made in the image of God, trying to get that out of my doctrine, out of my theology, you know, really. So I'm trying to just get back to the basics of what the Savior taught us both about the hereafter and, you know, for our relationship with each other. And so, and, 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 and in, in the here and now. So, you know, I come to my list just so you guys know, I think you've heard, if you've listened to the show before, I have been much of my life as an elder, a worship leader, a church Mm -hmm. planter, uh, and a pastor, you know? And so much of that time has been spilt, spent on building like orthodoxy. And so in this season of my life, I am deeply committed to focusing on orthopraxy. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, you know, um, so as we've been saying, you know, our goal today is to give, I think specifically our listeners that are black, probably also black indigenous people of color um, can be part of that mix. But I do want to say that this is also a conversation for white people, right? So if you are a white person and you're listening to this, don't just turn off the episode. You know, like I think there, there are a lot of nuggets and a lot of very good points that you can learn from this. So I want to encourage all of you to just stay tuned um, and listen. You know, I think for me, the first thing, Abdul, that I would be looking for if I was church hunting, as you mentioned, would be the leadership. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say this is because just like a family or like a community leadership or, um, or rather like the culture and the DNA of that community, <laughs> that institution tends to flow from the top to the bottom. Say it. Right. And so if you have a leadership that is, mm, that is not courageous, if you have a leadership team that is complicit in a lot of evil, then we can't really expect more from the congregation there. Right. So I think as Abdul said, you want to take time to know who the leaders of that congregation are, what they believe, what, what their stance is on different, um, you know, cultural and social issues. Uh, in terms of the Christian Soldier podcast, you want to know what their stance is when it comes to racial justice and other forms of justice, right? Gender yes. justice, yes. Um, religious justice. You want to know where they stand on that because you don't want in one or two years to be shocked. when they're silent and complicit with injustice. Um, And then also when you're, when you're thinking about leadership, I mean, obviously, yes, you do want to think about, you know, diversity, you know, be it like ethnic gender diversity. Um, I don't know if I would ever want to be a member at a church where all the leaders were men Mm. or women, you know, like, I think, I think you need a mix. And that's because we all bring different perspectives based on our social location. See, here's the thing. So for me Mm -hmm. with my, so, so my, my social location church wise is coming out of the reform movement and, 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 you know, like reform theology. Right. Mm -hmm. And so one of the, one of the things that I, yeah, it's, it's the whole thing of, you know, Paul saying, I do not permit a woman to teach in church and, 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 and those verses that, that, that people have mm-hmm. taken in certain schools of thought yeah. to mean that, that um, you know, women in leadership in churches is somehow wrong or bad or, or unbiblical. And so mm-hmm. when I say that I am, that I am decolonizing my theology, I am doing business for myself. I'm mm-hmm. doing business with things like that. Yeah. Because you know, just until very recently, 
Yeah. You know, like recently being the last few years. And so very recently, I honestly, I felt some kind of way yeah. when I heard, you know, um, someone call a woman pastor so-and-so, mm. you know, or, yeah. or going into a church and seeing a woman as the worship pastor. Wow. Yeah. You know, wow. and, yeah. and, you know, it's, and so, so listen, and just kind of, I can go off and on about that, but, mm-hmm. but suffice it to say that I have, as, as I have been really kind of getting back to what is the message of Jesus mm-hmm. before we get to all of these different theological schools of thoughts that have an agenda. Mm, yeah. You know, True. so what is it about how people who were made in the image of God, how are they, how are they loved and honored and respected in this church body? Mm-hmm. And so, and so, and so, you know, I've had to do business with that and, and I'm, I'm happy and pleased to report that, you know, I don't, I really don't feel any kind of way anymore about if somebody says, well, you know, here's a, here's a woman, this or a woman that or whatever. Yeah. That's, that's just, you know, that, that's, that's not a that's thing that I've had. Is, yeah. yeah. And, and I've had some, I've had some brothers that actually who, who we had some great conversations about this before, just in the context of, um, well, what do you do in churches where, are, where there are no men? So mm. if it's unbiblical to have women in leadership, well, what happens if there's no qualified dudes to preach and teach and lead? Preach. Come on. Are the women not going to go to church right. because they cannot be leaders? <laughs> right. And so, yeah, so I, I, I've had, you know, I've, I've had my, my perspective changed and my worldview yeah. shifted in that. But yeah. to do that, you've got to do business with yourself and you got to be willing you, yeah. to, to grow in that way in yourself. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, you guys. Another thing about uh, sorry about leadership that I'm learning. It is so beneficial to have people that are in different seasons of life. Boom. Right. Boom. So if you have a leadership team and everyone on that team is in their 30s, 40s, 50s, everyone is married. Mm, you are going to have blind spots, right? So I think it's helpful to, if possible, even have young adults have teenagers on your leadership teams because they're able to bring. Yes. A different perspective, especially in 2020, because what what you know, like what we're seeing in churches is that millennials and Gen Z and younger people, they just have different needs and different views about everything. Yes. So they bring a very important and necessary voice into the conversation. Perfect. So okay, so let's do this. So and and I think we've we've kind of started our list a little bit now. So but let's do this. I, um, I've got like maybe. For listeners, I got maybe like five or six, maybe actually probably six things. Mm-hmm. But here, here's what I want to do. I think what what makes the best sense here. So, so you know, Justine, you share two or three of the things you know that that you have that are on your list. I'll share you know two or three of mine, and then we'll kind of and, the, and then you share the rest of yours. I share the rest of mine. Kind of go back okay. and forth that way. Because because yeah. listeners, I know when I get in teacher mode, I can just go. So I don't want to do that <laughs> because. Yeah, because there's there's lots of stuff, and anyway, yeah, there's 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 some really good stuff. We want to make sure that you capture, and mm-hmm. this stuff will be in the show notes. But yeah, this is this is important. These are things that we feel like, from both of us being in ministry, yeah. that we feel like is important for folks to think about when they are searching for a church body. So mm-hmm. go ahead and hit it. Yes, number two on my list, you guys, was solidarity. 
Okay. And this one, I think there's a lot of different aspects to it. One of it is oneness of mind, you know, and kind of like unity in the body. So I don't know if any of you, I've never experienced this, but I've heard of stories where like people have gone to churches and there's just so much division, you know, um, the Lord we serve is not a God of confusion. And anytime there's division in the church, in the leadership, it is going to hurt the body as a whole, right? So again, I think you want to be looking for solidarity and unity. The other thing that I do want to mention, you guys, I saw a quote by Jamar Tesby. Uh, For those of you that don't know about him, he's awesome. He's written a book called The Color of Compromise. You should check it out. And I believe he just released a new book. Or it's coming out this month or sometime soon, yeah. Yes, called How to Fight Racism or something like that. Um, I'm sure it's going to be awesome. But you guys, he posted this on Facebook and it says, you know you're in solidarity with the oppressed when you start to experience what they experience. The persecution, the marginalization, and even the oppression they endure. And, you know, I think a lot of times when we think about justice, when, when we think about oppression, it can be so easy to think of it as, oh, this is something that they're facing. You know, people of color are going through this. Black people are going through this. Women are going through this. LGBTQ are going through this the poor, the differently abled. But I think as, and this is not just for, um, for, for, for small churches or like um, church communities. I think the big C church, the global church, we need to begin to progress to a place where other people's pain becomes our pain. Mm. You know what I mean? For example, if, if I am a white person, Racial injustice becomes my pain, okay? And so I think as you are church hunting, like, you know, and, and a lot of times, like just from having conversations and spending time with people, I think you can really begin to see if, if, if justice is viewed as a black issue or if justice is viewed as a church issue. Like this is something that we, you know, that we have to play a part in trying to fix. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, then I would say my third one, which is also related to solidarity, would also be courage, right? Um, you want to be a member in a church where your leaders are bold and they're courageous. Um, you know, cr- courageous Christianity stands against any person, policy, system, perspective, and practice that takes away from the glory of God that is reflected in humanity. I'm going to read that again. Courageous Christianity stands against any person, any policy, any system, any perspective and practice that takes away from the glory of God that is reflected in humanity. You know, and Abdul touched on this a little bit before when he was talking about decolonizing his, you know, like his theology. And I think as um, one sign of a healthy church is having the boldness to speak against anything that deems the light of Christ um, that is reflected in people, you know, and I was thinking about the MLK quote that says, all too many religious leaders have been more cautious than courageous and have remained silent behind the anesthetized security of stained glass windows. Come on, you know, and so a lot of times our churches, our church walls, you know, can kind of act as this like false, I don't know, protection in quotes. And I think as believers and as healthy churches, we need to be willing to break down those walls and become courageous and bold. That's really good. 
So you just teed up two resources that, that we're going to put in the show notes that I want people to be aware of. So when you're talking about kind of empathizing and, and kind of bearing the burdens of others and that kind of thing, yeah. what it made me think about was the book Prophetic Lament by mm. Soon Chan Ra. Oh my gosh, yes. And, and so we're going to put that in the show notes. If you haven't read that book, folks, it's a great book to go read. Um, the other thing you're talking about with the, the um, anesthetizing effect of stained glass windows, that, mm-hmm. that, that, so listeners, that's an excerpt of um, Dr. King's uh, MLK's letter from Birmingham jail. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't read that, that's another thing you have to go read. Yes. So go ahead. What, what else you got? Was it my turn? It's your turn. Oh, okay. Well, um, but uh, honestly, so a couple of things that you, that you have on your list are probably things that are on my list. I, I know I already hear two of them are on there. So um, here's here's one: is the church ethnically and generationally diverse? Exactly what you're talking about. You need elders, right? Yeah. And so so like you need the wisdom and the beauty of ethnic diversity as well as the wisdom of older people in the faith. Exactly. You know. So yeah, that's on my list too. Um, and then, you know, along with that is talking to, talking to the elders. So when you're searching for a church, talk to the mm. elders about where they are on things like, you know, and, and if they're elders of, of color, specifically talk to them about their experience in this church, It's good, you know, um, and Ooh. if elders are unapproachable or they seem unapproachable or give the impression that meeting with you is an inconvenience, bounce, bounce. Mm-hmm. You know, big or small, if I and my wife and my family, if my wife and I are kind of submitting our lives under the headship and authority of church leadership, and you don't have time to meet with us to get to know us, I don't care how big the church is. It's a church without me. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because I'm not a sycophant. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, so it's. It's really important when you're church hunting to have those kind of conversations. Um, you know, and so the, the, the things I have on my list, you know, this is the advice that I get to my friends of color already. You know, this is what I tell pastors and church leaders when I meet with them. So nothing on my list. If, you, if, you're, if you're a listener and um, if you've heard some of our other episodes and, and for the few of you who might know us personally, if you've heard me say these things, I promise you, this isn't the first time you've heard them. Mm-hmm. For me, at least, right? So, um, because I just, I don't let BS fly. And it's been my experience, a bit of a tangent, that people don't like, don't like it when you're too black, too proud, or too free. <laughs> That's true, y'all. That's so, true. So, you know, I'm, I'm not a jerk, but I'm honest that I'm blunt. And mm-hmm. lots of folks just can't handle it because I don't couch things in Christian ease. Mm-hmm. So, the second thing that I would say outside of your leadership being ethnically and generationally diverse, is it an evangelical church? Wow. Now, now we've, we've, we've had a lot to say about evangelical churches, and mm-hmm. I don't believe they're all bad, but I do believe that there is a cancer of racism and nationalism and idolatry in the evangelical movement. And so, you know, that, that church segment has massive problems and I really, my personal opinion at this point is that I don't believe any evangelical church that is predominantly white is a safe space for a person of color. 
especially black and indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Because there has to be, in my opinion, a serious investigation yeah. before before a a a black or native person joins that church. There has mm-hmm. to be a serious look into that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, here's one more. Do the sermon illustrations. So when you are visiting churches and you're listening to sermons, right? So my wife and I about uh what eight or so years ago, almost nine years ago, we were looking into uh, church hunting. We're in a new city and we visited, I think, 25 churches, 25 churches. And um, one of them, we didn't even get out of the car in the parking lot. We're like, yep, nope, this ain't for us. We're watching people going in. We're like, yep, nope, we're out. But we went and you know, met some pastors, met some people in the churches, listened to the sermon, sat there or whatever. Um, and so, like the movie Fifty First Dates, we went over and over and over and over and over again. But um, do the sermon illustrations give tacit acceptance to white as normal? Ooh. You know, yeah. so like yeah. if you listen to the sermons and the illustrations, do they reflect an upper middle class or middle class experience mm-hmm. or aesthetic? Um, are they are they overly spiritual at the expense of the here and now? You know, there's all this high minded theology. But that's good. What are you doing with the person sitting next to you? That's good. You know, um, mm. so that I mean, that's that's a couple of things, and we, and we can kind of go more into that. But but pay attention to what the ethos of that is. Is it is is it is it whiteness? Is it uplifting whiteness subconsciously, or is it elevating the diversity in God's kingdom subconsciously? Mm-hmm. And you'll know when you see. Well, actually, no. Some of you won't because some of you are already bathed and deeply into the the waters of whiteness where you can't see it. Mm-hmm. So some of you might not actually see it. So I'll give you one, one more for now. And this is an important one too. What is the relationship between the pastoral and leadership teams and their spouses? Ooh, wow. So like I said before, coming from the more reformed kind of conservative tradition, that to me used to always mean What's the relationship of, of the husbands and their of the husbands in leadership and their wives? That's not what I mean. I mean the people in leadership. Mm-hmm. If they have spouses, what is the relationship between those two people? Yeah. How do they deal with their kids? Mm-hmm. You know, how do they deal with each other? How do mm-hmm. they speak of and treat each other? Mm-hmm. You know, you can probably get a gauge for, you know, if somebody is like faking the funk or not. Mm-hmm. Right, um, but but for me, like you know, um, yeah, like anyway, like I said, I'm I'm decolonizing, decolonizing my theology and all that. But looking at how the leadership team functions in those husband and wife or whatever units, you know, I haven't gone to now. I've got my own theological things, right? So so um, you know, I, I haven't gone to as a member. Um, a church with you know um, a, a gay a gay pastor, right? So that just hasn't been my experience so far. But for someone in leadership, what's their relationship with their spouse or with their partner? You got to pay attention to that. Can you elaborate why? So because well, one of the things biblically, there's this. There is there is one of the qualifications for elders and deacons is they must manage their home and family well because if they can't, yeah, how can they steward God's church? It's good. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you can tell if they're in leadership, if they have a heart for people, 
in how they deal with those closest to them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and an- another thing that I pay attention to is that are they drawing boundaries? So, so many people in in church leadership, they, I mean, they want to serve. They spend so much time serving with people with the divorce rate among pastors and church folks is really high because they're neglecting their families. That's good. Yeah. So, yeah. so are they setting boundaries? You know what? Let's meet, but this is a family day. This is date night. We can't meet mm-hmm. these days. We can meet this day or this time. And so, yeah. so, so that's why that's important to me. That's good. And, you know, just, just, just a quick segue, but I noticed that in 2020, a lot of big time, for lack of a better term, celebrity pastors, at least in the U.S., were actually fired from their churches for moral, for moral failures, a.k.a. they were cheating on their wives. So, again, uh, lack of boundaries could probably be feeding into that. Very good, Abdul. I like those. Yeah. So, soldiers, it's that time again. We want to give you, as listeners, a moment to process what we've discussed so far before we continue the rest of our conversation. So, at this point, it's time for our line of notes segment. This is where, as Christian soldiers, we take a moment, just kind of take a break and a reprieve from the fight, talk about a song, a book, a piece of art or culture or something that is feeding our spirits or that is inspiring us or that's giving us life. So. so listen, Jay, people haven't heard from you for a minute. What has been feeding your spirit lately? Oh, you know, I think, so I'm going to share two things. First of all, I started off this year, you guys, and I think it's because I'm getting older and I'm like, you know what? I am just so focused, you know, like I know what I need to achieve over the next, or rather what I desire to achieve over the next two, three years. And I am really prioritizing being consistent. So I think for 2020 consistency and habits, I'm like, yo, Jay, we, we got to lock this in. So that's really just been giving me life, you know, because I'm like, man, like I have goals. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel and I'm focused. Let's go. Let's do this. 2021. I think the other thing too, uh, and this is in lines, you know, like in line with consistency spending more time with God. And yo, I am learning like when I have days where I spend time with God before I start my day, it is just amazing, you know? And I am in a season of life where I'm so busy. I'm so, so busy. And it can be very easy to put my time with the Lord on the back burner, but I'm learning, no, Justine, you need to start your day off with the Lord. So that's been giving me life. Then the last thing is my mom, y'all. My mom is awesome. She calls me every morning and she prays with me. And she's been teaching me how to pray the word, which is such a gift. Are you serious? That's, oh, wow. Right? And okay, yeah. you guys, and here's the thing. My mom is a nurse, so she works nights. And she gets home from work and calls me, which is such a sacrifice. I think I have the best mom in the world, y'all. <laughs> I just, I know I do. Well, I don't know about the best mom. We might fight for that one. But <laughs> I should have gone first because yours is better. <laughs> nothing, nothing tops mamas. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So, man. Well, for me, um, yeah, there are a few things that give me life. And, you know, I would say my mother just because I went home for the holidays and saw her and that kind of thing. Yay. And 
you know, got some got some food and hugs and that kind of thing. But best. But you already said that one, so I don't I don't want to ride your coattails on that one. <laughs> so what? Another thing though that's given me life is a book that I got for Christmas, and it's a book called Black Fatigue. It's by Mary Frances Winters. Uh, she also wrote the book or wrote the books um, Inclusive Conversations and. Um, we can't talk about that at work. She's she's a equity and inclusion expert. So um, the subtitle for Black Fatigue is how racism erodes the mind, body, and spirit. And so the thing I like about this book is, you know, these are some ideas that I've been thinking about for quite a while. And you know, for those of you who have just like, I'm sure when I said the words Black Fatigue, many listeners who people of color were like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And so she talks a lot about um, just different kind of components of this black fatigue and how it manifests in health disparities and in mm-hmm. racism in the workplace and racial profiling and economic yeah. inequities and even in environmental racism. And so it's, it's, a really, it's a really good book. And I actually may reach out to her and, and see if we can have her on the podcast because, I, yeah, that's just, oh, yeah. yeah. So for those of you who have read the book White Fragility by um, Robin D'Angelo, this book reads a bit like that. So it's really mm-hmm. kind of, it's easy to kind of look at topically and kind of thumb through and look at sections here and there, or you can read it all the way through. Not a very thick book, just like maybe what, 180, less than, less than 200 pages with larger print and bigger margins, but it's a good book. So that's been giving me life because as I'm reading it, she's giving language to a lot of things mm. that I have been thinking about and feeling about and experiencing. And so it's like, okay, so wait a minute, I'm not crazy. That is yeah, a thing. Wow. So wow. that's, yeah, that, that's, that's where I am. Very good. Y'all. Okay. So we are going to go back into it. So the second part of our conversation, we are going to continue to focus on things that you should be on the lookout for. As you are church hunting while black. Yes. As we mentioned before, though, this can be applied to all people of color. And I think also for white people, this should matter to you because these are things that you should also be thinking about in the fight for justice. So, Abdul, are there other things from your list that you want to add before I share the rest of mine? Um, let's see. I've got. Well, OK, here's a big one. And you might have this on your list, too. I don't know. but. What is the music like? Ooh, I, I do have that one. Yay. What, what is the music like? Now, uh, this may sound like I'm, 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 I'm dissing some churches and everything, but I cannot rock with a church that plays CCM or Brady Bunch music. I just can't get with it. Did you say Brady Bunch? Brady Bunch. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, man. Yeah. I mean, so that, you know, that CCM kind of stuff doesn't speak to my soul. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I am much more, I, I grew up on, you know, hip hop and soul music and jazz and funk and blues and not really gospel because I grew up Muslim, but Mm -hmm. that's in the tradition. Right. Um, But here's the thing. If you want to have a diverse church, you should be playing just one kind of music. And so if you are a church, if you, if you're, if you're a predominantly black church that wants to have more diversity, but you're mm-hmm. only playing styles in one tradition. Exactly. You're not going to speak to the heart, the, the musical heart language of other, of other groups. 
if you are a predominantly, you know, Korean church or Latino church or white church that's doing the same thing, you're going to stay predominantly that thing if you're not broadening. So um, I look forward, do those churches play diverse styles of music regardless of the presence or the absence of diversity in the congregation? Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm, if I'm talking to a worship leader or talking to worship teams, one of the pieces of advice that I give them is spend a month, a whole month, listening to only, only music from a different musical experience. Like not flopping around the whole month. So like if you mm-hmm. are a white church, spend the whole month listening to contemporary or black gospel. Spend the whole month listening to, to, um, to Spanish, mm. you know, to, to, to Spanish worship music the whole yeah. month, even if you don't understand the lyrics and not because you're going to play those songs, mm-hmm. even if you don't play a single different song in your set for the entire month, have your folks listening to those songs just mm-hmm. to get a, a, a feel for the people through their music. Yeah, that's powerful. and. I guarantee you what will happen. I know it. I've experienced it. What will happen is the way you play what you're playing, the timing and the rhythm and the feel will change. It'll have a different sensibility about it. And because you're getting a bit of a DNA infusion from a different cultural experience. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, as a musician and a worship leader, I can tell you that there are several ways that you can demonstrate musical inclusion, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so uh, if, you've got, if you've got POC in the congregation, is there adequate representation in the band? Yeah. You know, and not just faces, but experience, mm-hmm. you know? So I used to belong to a church, and ultimately I was, I was on the pastoral staff there, where um, there were several POC in the congregation that were really talented musicians and also had really good hearts but they wouldn't go within a thousand miles of the worship team because it was, it was all kind of CCM led and mm. the worship pastor didn't really care about reflecting the musical experiences of the people around them. Wow. Many of those folks have left that church. Wow. And the ones that were there when I was there was like, yeah, I used to be on the team. Then this person came in and then they made it all, all white. Yeah. I'm out. You know? Um, so yeah, that's that's just a couple of things there, but there are plenty of things there when you think about what the music sounds and feels like. Mm-hmm. Are you not catering and pandering, but are you reflecting the diversity of the kingdom of God in your musical expression of the church? If you're not, I would say you're kind of failing. Yeah, so good. That's so good. And you know, when it comes to um, the makeup of the worship team, the people that you have on the worship team, I am learning that your approach to, to worship a lot of times is influenced by your personal experience. So here's what I mean, right? Uh, when you think back, we just had Christmas a few weeks ago. The song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Oh, Lord, yes. And Ransom, Captive Israel. Mm-hmm. Okay. When a black person sings that, you guys just think about that. When, when, when a black person who has known the pain of oppression, come on, and pain and fatigue and injustice, 
this, right? And so when you have a myriad of voices on your team, it allows for that expression that Abdul was talking about, right? So again, that's something that you want to be on the lookout for. The other thing is, and this applies both to the worship team, but also to the congregation, are people free to be fully expressive during worship? Come on, come on, come on. Okay, y'all, if you've ever been to a Black church, you know that worship is lit. People are running around. People are falling on the ground. Well, sometimes, you know, like it depends. But yeah. like there's just a freedom, you know, like to be, to be fully expressive. And so, again, what is, what is the culture around worship? And are yeah. people free to be, to be fully themselves? And to fully indulge in worship. Yes. As authentically as they can. Okay. I got to say this while we're here. This this is for my less melanated brothers and sisters. Yeah. (laughs) AKA white folks. It's for Mm -hmm. (laughs) y'all. Will you please, for the love of God, stop playing and singing amazing grace up tempo stop it stop it right now the derivative of that melody is a west african sorrow chant it is meant to be sung as a dirge it is not Uh, an up-tempo song don't mm. bring brady bunch to amazing grace listen to the lyrics Mm, yeah through many dangers toils and snares I have already come. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Mm. The beginning of the song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound sound. that saved a wretch like me. That is not an up-tempo, bibbidi-bobbidi kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So stop it. If you are a worship leader and you're doing that, Hang up your guitar. Hang up your keys. It's time to go home and have several seats. <laughs> and oh, by the way, get a damn keyboard in your church. Quit playing guitar all the dang on time. Mm-hmm. Take C, E, G, D minor out of the thing. <laughs> Throw some different kind of chords in there. Yeah, it's true. You no, know? give me some expanded yeah. chords. Give me some inversions. Give me some tight, right. some tight, lush chord arrangements. Mm-hmm. Not this, not this six string. Yeah. yeah, give it some flavor. Mm-hmm. Okay, get get. I mean, yeah, you can do that over here, but don't. It's it's like it's like it's like. Before I came to Iowa, I used to love casserole. Oh. But now I've had casserole every night for the last thirty years. Mm-hmm. You know, spiritually speaking. Yeah. And every casserole has cream mushroom soup in it. Oh, yeah. So if all you're eating or if all you're playing is the musical equivalent of casserole mm-hmm. cream mushroom soup in it, only folks who don't like seasoned food are going to like that. Exactly. So anyway, I better quit because exactly. I just made some folks mad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's good. That's good. You know, and here's the thing. If you are a worship leader, like it can be really hard to hear criticism, but man, like you can grow so much. You can grow so much from stretching yourself and, you know, and trying things that are maybe not your natural space of comfortability. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's what I got. What else you got? 
Yes. You know, um, the other thing that I was thinking about, and Abdul touched on this a little bit, do you feel seen, you know, uh, when you, when you go to this said church, do you feel seen? Do you feel hard? Do you feel safe? Come on. Right. And you guys, like, those are things that you can pick immediately. You can walk into a church and literally 10 minutes in, you can know if you feel seen. Oh, right? yeah. You can know that. So these are things to be thinking about because if you're not, you know, like if you're not being seen on day one, honey, trust me, on day 365, you're not going to be seen. You're, yeah, you know? you're invisible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then the other thing is, do you feel like you are an equal part of the church family? Right. You know, so I think a lot of churches are, uh, I don't say a lot, but quite a few churches are doing the work of creating an inclusive culture. But a lot of times there seems to be an undertone of like, oh, we are welcoming you into our family in the sense of this is a white space. And we're just welcoming you in because, well, it's the right thing to do. It's the cool thing to do. It's the in thing. Yeah. Again, a lot of times you can sense that, right? Yeah. Um, so again, you want to be keeping an eye out for those things. Is there tokenization? Mm, come on now. Color? Bring it. Right? You do not want to be the token person of color in your church congregation. The other thing, y'all, is what is their view on missions? What is their view on cross on cross racial adoptions, y'all? Okay, you guys, we could talk about missions for days. Okay, and what the American, the Western Church has done when it comes to missions and mission trips. So again, you want to get some insight on that. If there is a missions team leader, you want to talk to them and get a feel for what's going on. on. Uh, a lot of bigger churches have lots of usually white people who are adopting brown and black children. <laughs> eh. <laughs> Yo, um, I am I'm African, so I feel some type of way about this. But again, you want to maybe do some digging about that um, and just see what's going on. Are families being trained? You know, like, are they being prepared for what it means to adopt a child from a different ethnicity, a different country, different culture. Exactly right. Different country, culture. Yeah. You know, like, are they like, is there a training system for yes. what that entails? Yes. Um, then the other thing, you know, and we had mentioned this before, if you have children, I think you really want to do some digging into the children's ministry. Y'all, when I have kids, I will not be taking my kids to a space where all the curriculum, all the books, all the teachers are white. Hashtag nah. <laughs> no. Okay. I'm just saying I'm not going to put my children through that. And I'm assuming all people of color would not want to do the same thing. Mm. If you are a white person, if you're a white ally, I'm assuming you don't want to do the same thing either. Right? So again, you want to do some vetting of what the, the children's ministry looks like, what they believe, what is their mission and their values. You want to be intentional about that process. Yes. And I would say the last one is community involvement. A lot of times, um, and this is kind of like a general statement, but a lot of times I think when you have a church that is greatly involved in the community, like I think that is a reflection of their heart. So again, you know, is your church, is, is this church involved in the community and how are they going about doing that? So mm, that's good. So I've, I've got two more things. But there's a couple of things you said that I want to respond to. 
mm-hmm. because um yeah i'm i'm with you i feel some type of way about white families adopting black and brown kids or adopting specifically african kids yeah now here's the thing we're not saying it's wrong to do so don't mm-hmm. hear what we're not saying mm-hmm. i'm running that back don't hear what we are not saying good what we are not saying is that y'all are wrong and evil and mean and sinful and wicked for adopting black kids if you're African kids, if you're white. What we're saying is, because I know people mm-hmm. who have, you know, just out of want to love more kids, yeah, just adopt kids, right? Mm-hmm. But you have to understand that there's also different layers of issues and nuance and maybe even baggage yeah. involved yeah. with with cross-cultural and cross-racial adoptions. Yeah. You've got to be ready for that. Yeah. You know, like you've got to be ready for, here's what, and now, now, you know, so I've never adopted kids. Um, you know, my, our kids are biological. However, I have run a group home and had, mm. and had about a couple of hundred kids living in my house. Not all at once, but, yeah. but over the course of my career. Yeah. And I was a social worker and I did child welfare and child protective work. Mm-hmm. So I know this world extremely well. And I worked with foster parents and I trained foster parents. Mm-hmm. So this is not no. just me giving, you know, an opinion out the side of my butt kind of thing. You know, this is a credible professional opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, and so there is kids, regardless of if, the, if, a, if it's a cross-cultural adoption or not, when kids are adopted at a certain age, most of them want to know because it's a human drive. They want to mm-hmm. know where they came from and who they are. That's good. Yeah. And so if you are adopting a child and you're adopting them to assimilate them and they're mm-hmm. basically white folks with brown skin, mm-hmm. you failed that child. You do. Like you've taken away their not their Africanness in a generic sense because Africa isn't a a country it's a continent mm-hmm. but you've taken away their Kenyanness their mm-hmm. Somali ness mm-hmm. right their mm-hmm. their their Ethiopianness yeah um they want to know who they are and where they came from exactly. and what and what are the cultural things that made them them and oh by the mm-hmm. way if you want to say it doesn't matter because they're our family now. We love them. You're ignoring the sovereign intention of God. Yes. God didn't make those babies white. He made them mm-hmm. whatever culture they're from. Yeah. It's your responsibility as a parent to cultivate that. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're saying. Yo. Yeah. So um, there were two other things that you said I wanted to comment on, but I kind of forgot them. <laughs> Was it maybe missions? Oh, yes. Missions. Yes. So, uh, and, and that comes out of the whole idea. And this, this, this goes to something else you mentioned, you know, is that so many churches, w- 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 what you should look for is that you should look for um, churches that value inclusion and not assimilation. Mm. And so that plays into how people do missions. If you are, if the church is involved in mission work, is the mission work um, paternalistic or mm kind of colonial in mindset is it we are exporting our culture and our values and our this and our this with yeah. on, onto these people is it mm-hmm. that because if that if it's that i would argue that's bad yeah. but if you are taking the gospel of jesus and not your theological school of thought 
mm-hmm. if you're taking the gospel of Jesus to people who you feel need the gospel, which also is a theological thing because not all countries are Christian and, or who want to be. And I get yeah. that. But in your missionary efforts, if you're taking the gospel, don't take, don't take them white American Christianity. Mm-hmm. Take them first century, authentic, saving faith in this little carpenter kid from Nazareth. Mm-hmm. Take them yeah. that. That's good. Don't take them your six-string guitar and show them how to worship. Mm-hmm. They already have a natural worship expression. Exactly. Cultivate exactly. that. Yeah. So, okay. so, so both, both of those points are about um, inclusion mm-hmm. rather than assimilation. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And y'all, you know, like on the point of missions, be very afraid of churches that are very invested in missions. And to be clear, I have friends who've gone on mission trips and usually they're raising thousands of dollars. Okay. So going on a missionary trip is a very expensive endeavor. Be very afraid of churches that invest in mission work, but they're very ignorant of the communities of color that are around them. They're very um, ignorant and apathetic and sometimes even complicit in systems of injustice. How can you love a small village in Kenya when you cannot love the communities around you? Yes. Yeah. If you want to go to Kenya, but you avoid the quote, bad part of town. Right. Check yourself before you riggedy wreck yourself. (laughs) Exactly. So, well, okay. Then there's this with raising money for mission work. Also keep in mind and understand the presence of systemic racism in that. Cause I would mm-hmm. imagine most of the people that you're mentioning who are raising support, they're probably white. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because of economic inequality that's different across racial, so-called racial groups, mm-hmm. white people are significantly more likely. And there's research on this, like the Barna group does research on this. There's plenty of folks who've done research on this, but, if you're, if you're so-called white, you're more likely to be able to raise more support than if you are a person of color because yeah. more, more likely than not, your networks tend to be more um, economically poor or hand-to-mouth kind of thing where mm-hmm. folks don't have the disposable income to, yeah, to, to, to support a mission kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, or even a broader mm-hmm. network of having a lot of people put in a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's an economic, a racialized economic reality, even mm-hmm. around raising support for missionary work. And even adoption. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Right, because cross-cultural adoption, I mean, adoption period is very expensive, but cross-cultural adoption, I cannot even begin to imagine. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I've heard stories about, and we can, we can do a whole, a whole episode on adoption by itself, but I've even heard stories about you know, uh, families and primarily women who give up their children for adoption and they didn't know that's what they were doing. Oh yeah. You know, they were, they want something good for their kids and they want their kids to go somewhere. They Mm -hmm. didn't know that this transaction meant I I don't get to be mom anymore. Exactly. So yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff there. So anyway, maybe we should do one on a a whole episode on adoption. Oh yeah. I'd be down. So I've I've got two more quick things of things you should look for when you're um, church, church hunting. So um, talk to folks in the congregation. Okay. Ask them a couple of pointed questions. Has the church grown? 
Has it stayed the mm-hmm. same or has it shrank in the last few years? Mm-hmm. Ask several people this. So, and as you're having those conversations, I would say ask them, for example, one, if the church has stayed the same or shrank, you know, that could be a sign that the body life isn't in a healthy place. Mm-hmm. It could be that people are leaving because, because the pastor teaching them about con- controversial things like um, racial justice yeah. or <laughs> teaching about things that are making folks uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, it could be that for whatever reason, this church isn't healthy and mm-hmm. it's just kind of dying off and has run its course. You know, um, ask the ask members if there have been sermons about, say, political and social unrest in the country. Ask them if there have been sermons and what's been the fallout and the result. Because mm-hmm. if those churches are avoiding those subjects, that's a really red flag. Now, yeah. some of you might be saying, saying that, well, this stuff is, is um, you know, all this social justice stuff isn't for the church. That's exactly where it should be for. Mm-hmm. Because the church should be the, 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 the outpost in the storm. Yes. And so we as Bible teachers and pastors and ministry folks should be helping to equip people for how to look at and see and deal with and address the issues that are happening in the day to day. If you're ignoring them, I don't think you're doing the right thing. Um, ask them specifically if they've discussed the, if they have discussed the killing of black people in the streets from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. And if you did, what was the fallout? Yeah, because I I have had plenty of people. I've had church, and I've said this before on the show. I've had pastors who come to me and told me specifically that they've had church members who've kind of waved the checkbook and said, "If you don't stop this talking about this race stuff, we're oh, taking yeah. our our tithing dollars." Oh, yeah. and, and, and I know plenty of churches nationally because of friends of mine that are in, in ministry in different cities and churches in my city that have lost lots of members because they don't like all the talk about racism because they don't believe it's a biblical issue. Again, mm-hmm. you're to check yourself before you riggedy wreck yourself. Y'all, or, or sometimes they don't believe that racism is a real thing. Can you yeah. imagine in 2021, well, 2022, there yeah. are people that, that, that don't believe racism is a real thing. And so anytime these topics are brought up in church, they're like, oh, no, you know, like yeah. you guys are making that stuff up, right. you know, and to the point that Abdul mentioned um, that justice belongs in the church, talking about justice is the role of the church. I'm going to just read a quick, a quick little excerpt that my mom showed me. Isaiah 58 verse 6 through 11. Is not this the fast that I have chosen to lose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, mm. and that you break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that you bring the poor that are cast out, cast out to your house, when you see the naked, to cover them? and not to hide yourself from thine own flesh. Okay, so you guys, again, if you're a believer, check out Isaiah 58. I mean, it's there, you guys, everywhere you look in the Bible, God is, God is justice. The story of the gospel in and of itself is about justice. Yes, and it's also about corporate slash vicarious sin, vicarious atonement. Exactly. How many Christians have said, well, I don't really... I didn't own slaves. I didn't call anybody the N-word. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. 
right? Mm-hmm. Well, you also weren't in the garden. So how is it that as a Christian, you are <laughs> a recipient of the consequence of original sin? You Preach. weren't on the cross. So how is it as a Christian, you are a recipient of salvation because you weren't the one who did that? Boom. So, and that's not me making up things. That's Joshua 7. That's Daniel 9. That's, mm. that's, that's, that's um, the book of Hebrews. That's, mm-hmm. that's the idea of corporate, of, yeah. of vicarious, that's Romans. You know, that's, that's vicarious sin through Adam. Through, through one man, all sin. So mm-hmm. through one man, all are made righteous. That's good. So That's awesome. anyway, now here's the very, very last one I got, which is a great dovetail from what we just talked about. Ask people and observe and pay attention to what is the culture of relationships and discipleship in a church you're looking at? Are people intimately involved in each other's lives for the sake of Christian satisfaction, except for the sake of fellowship, for the sake of community, or are folks just playing nice while they're sitting silently judging each other? You know, like what is yeah. the, is the cult, is there a culture of discipleship? Mm. You know, and, and, what, and what I mean by discipleship is not just we taught a sermon of discipleship, and this is why to go back to the very beginning of the podcast and Justin, you kicked it off nicely about having different age diversity and elders, uh, you know, is there some version of Deuteronomy six style discipleship mm-hmm. as you walk, as you walk by the way, as you go in your daily lives kind of thing, mm-hmm. do you have people that are come, that you're having come alongside of you just invest in their life, have them invest in your life and you're so sharpening good. each other. And if they're an older person, are you discipling the youngers and how to do things like marriage and parenting and thinking about money and finances and business and faith and prayer and all that kind of stuff, you know, and, and they can't be just a one way relationship of the older to the younger, you know, young folks or, you know, old folks, Mm -hmm. what are you learning from the younger people? Yeah. You know, are you opening yourself up to be taught by them versus well, I know everything because I'm older. Mm. You know, do you have the humility to learn from the youngers mm-hmm. without calling them kids? You kids mm-hmm. don't know anything, <laughs> you know? So what's the discipleship culture? Because if you have a healthy discipleship culture, that is a, you know, you, you all, it's, it's almost a one-to-one. You will have a healthy church. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, so, mm-hmm. you have just a bunch of spectators. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and discipleship also breeds connection, right? So if you are a young person in the church or even an older person, if you are a new member at a church and you're able to kind of have your person that you can text at any time, you know, like it just builds family connection. And you guys, I guarantee you, if you have ever been discipled, I've been discipled by someone whom I love so dearly. And I will remember our moments for the rest of my life. Yes. Because she walked me through some very hard seasons and she spoke into my life. And so again, discipleship, I really love that one. Amen. That's huge. Yep. And, you know, part, part of the, like I mentioned before about the slow heartbreak, part of the, part of the, the tragedy of my life in evangelicalism is that I have had mm-hmm. 
in many respects, some amazing mentors in the faith, Yeah, you know? And so, um, part of, part of some of the relationships that I have lost were people that, that I was really deeply discipled by, mm. you know? Yeah. And so, and so, yeah, there's, I won't go in too much farther than that, but, but I don't hate folks. Mm-hmm. It's really a tragedy. Yeah. You know? But yeah. at the same time, I, like you, Justine, have benefited from actual mm-hmm. discipleship, actual life on life kind of stuff. Yes. You know, yes. people that I have learned how to be a husband from, how mm. to be a parent from, because I came from mm. a divorced family, you know? Yeah. So, so the same people who turn out to be kind of racist folks, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. We're also the same people who, who have healthy marriages that I modeled my marriage after. Wow. Yeah. Who have, you know, parenting styles that to some extent I have modeled my parenting after. Mm-hmm. And so and so church should be a hub and an incubator and and yeah. a, a an outpost of discipleship because that's, that's the biblical model. Yeah. Yep. Very good. Oh my gosh, y'all. I have enjoyed this episode. Y'all better be taking notes because we're dropping some nuggets. We are dropping some nuggets here. Wow, Abdul. So it seems like we are just about to finish up. Yes, ma'am. So as we close up, I'm curious, what is just one thing? Okay. What is the one primary thing that you would want our listeners to be paying attention to in church hunting? I know you shared a lot of things, but Mm -hmm. what's just the one thing? So the one thing for me is this tandem thought. So like part A of that thought is the idea of, um, inclusion versus assimilation. Pay attention to that environment. And that kind of goes with the thought of um, pay attention because you want to go somewhere where you're celebrated and not tolerated. Mm. So you will know if somebody wants your face, but mm. they don't want your voice, mm. that's assimilation yeah. and that's toleration. So that's, yeah. if, if you don't hear anything else, that's one thing you absolutely need, need, to be, need to be aware of and pay attention to. Wow, that's very good. You know, I think for me, I really like that one, Abdul. Um, I'd say for me, especially in today's day and age, you want to be part of a church that is courageous. You know, the Bible says that we have not been given a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. And again, in the context of the Christian soldier, part of being courageous is is being able to have those really hard conversations, be it conversations about women in leadership, be it conversations about injustice. You know, like you want to be part of a church that is courageous. And here's the really cool thing, y'all. When you are a member of a church that is courageous, you're, you're going to be courageous too, right? And you're going to be able to go home for Thanksgiving and call out your racist grandpa, okay? <laughs> because you come from a church where that is, that is what you do. Yep. So I'd say for me, courageous leadership, courageous congregants would be my top one that I'd recommend. That's really good. That's really dope, man. So I want to say one last thought, mm-hmm. and that is I deeply appreciate. So Justine, people like you as women in ministry and women in leadership, mm-hmm. you know, who, who have helped me reshape my paradigm. You know, women like, um, 
like Patience Luth, who we had on the you, you know, you had on the show, you know, with your your episode with women, you know. She, she's awesome. This just is great, right? She's crazy. And and you know, it was her husband Paul who really kind of checked me on my whole outlook about women in leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, we we've had we've had some great conversations over the years about that, you know, where he's been like, nah. And and, and this is what this is what fellowship fellowship and brotherhood does. You know, somebody yes. can check you. Dog, mm-hmm. you're out of pocket on that. That's not how that's mm-hmm. supposed to look. I think you're thinking about that wrong. I think you're listening to that that slave. That, that that slave theology too much mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah, so yeah i just want to say you know just just the just just the presence just mm-hmm. the presence of strong you know powerful women of faith in my life who remind me of women in the faith in the bible women yeah. like eunice and women you know mm-hmm. like and 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 and, and women like uh, priscilla and Esther. just yes that right esther esther oh my gosh. come on now Oof. queen esther right yeah. and so and so if if women aren't supposed to be in leadership why do we have women leaders in the bible so oh gosh, anyway yeah. i just wanted just to just to say you know how much how much how much crazy love and respect i have for you justine oh, thank you love you bro love you back so, well, that does it for us for now, y'all. As always, if you like the show and you like the content, if you're encouraged or challenged by it, please rate the podcast, subscribe, share, and most, like, and most importantly, drop us a review. That helps us show up in the podcast ratings and helps other folks find us and join the community, and we can always use more soldiers. If you have questions about anything we cover in the podcast, suggested episode ideas, or just want to reach out, become a member of our community on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Christian Soldier, or email us at hello at christiansoldier.com. And um, we had a lot in this episode, so we will have episode notes about the things that we uh, talked about today. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Once again, I'm Abdullah. I'm Justine. Until next time, y'all, keep the faith. Peace. Amani. The Christian Soldier Podcast is brought to you by the Christian Soldier Collective, a Jesus-centered community dedicated to the pursuit of unity, cultural and ethnic conciliation, and social justice within the church. Theme song is The Ace by Ballpoint. The Christian Soldier Podcast is a production of the Christian Soldier Collective and Monarch Training and Development. Mm-hmm.